0: Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by conservative Rosanna Polito, liberal Julia Klein, libertarian presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen, conservative Judith Sherwin, and liberal Coco Sudek. Our program tonight coming to you from the studios of WCGO in beautiful uh, Evanston, Illinois, that's just north of the city of Chicago. Happy Father's Day uh, to you. Uh, I lost my father many, many years ago, but I still think of him every day. And, of course, uh, I am the father of one beautiful daughter and uh, four great-grandchildren. They're hopefully uh, listening to the program and watching it this evening. Uh, we've got a great show, two hours. We, we have just so much to pack into two hours tonight because so much has happened. And I want to begin by welcoming our first guests in hour number one. Uh, Julia Klein is a progressive or a liberal, and she is an author, and uh, she's been a guest on this program before, as has Roseanne Polito. And uh, she's been very active in the illegal immigration fight for many, many years. In fact, uh, I I say this on on Father's Day. We're going to have all-female, this is an all-female show tonight, and i want to I wanted to start off with Julia and also with Rosanna, because uh, they're on opposite sides of the political spectrum, but each of them has a burning passion for their subject. Me too is a huge issue for Julia. And illegal immigration is a huge issue for Rosanna. We've been doing shows for maybe 15 years on that subject. So each comes with a unique passion, and we'll talk about the specific of that of those uh, pa- differing passions uh, as the program unfolds this evening. But, uh, Rosanna, I want to start with you because uh, the publicity last night uh, was all about the president's uh, big rally in Tulsa. It wasn't quite as big as other rallies he's had. But as someone who I assume listened to much of what the president said, did he spend too much time trying to uh, rallying the base, and 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 is missing opportunities to reach out to those that that maybe might be for him, but maybe they need a little less red meat than he throws out?
1: Uh, I believe that the base needed some coddling, needed to be rallied, just because of what we're going through right now with COVID. People are just exhausted. And to just have a love fest, I think, was a great a great thing.
0: Does it disturb you that even though there appears to be an opportunity for extra space in that auditorium last night, uh, uh, they, they could have practiced uh, social distancing uh, and maybe uh, maybe they would have gotten some perks for that uh, as opposed to showing empty seats?
1: Well, no, the media would have made something bad out of anything there. It really didn't make any difference they did try to give masks to people who wanted them hand sanitizer they did everything they could to make it say uh people feel okay. safer and uh They did what they did. They, you know, it was like having a protest.
0: Okay. Julia, let me, let me, I'm going to turn to, to Julia and find out because I know there wasn't anything that the president said last night or could have said last night that would have changed your opinion, but looking at the, at the democratic side, and you have some, some criticism of Joe Biden, which we will get to, but there are some who believe that Joe Biden can win this thing just by sitting in his basement. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I think a palm tree would win.
0: OK. So the fact that he is not out meeting, greeting people, uh, you think that strategy will, will, will get him uh, to the White House?
2: I do. Okay. I do. I, I, I think uh, this is going to be an, uh, an election all about negative partisanship. Um, it, uh, through my eyes, the majority of the country has been salivating for three years to cast a vote against this guy. So there's nothing that either side can do. Uh, to do much to change that. Um, the only way that we can cinch the victory is to make sure that we increase turnout among populations that often uh, don't turn out as in as high numbers, um, young people and people of color. But they're already showing that they're highly motivated. They're going to come out. Um, it's going to be a real landslide, of, of course, assuming that it's a fair and free election, which we have no reason to think that it will be.
0: Do you do you agree with Senator Amy Klobuchar, who, who took herself out of the vice presidential race, even though, Frank? I don't think she was in it. Uh, do you think that it should be a, and must be a woman of color at this moment in time?
2: It definitely has to be a woman. Uh, whether or not it has to be a woman of color... I don't think so. And I for a long time, I was absolutely insisting that it had to be Mm -hmm. um, that it was just it would be an embarrassment to ask the American people, the Democratic Party, to vote for an all white ticket yet Mm -hmm. again. Right. Uh, However, uh, many of my uh, African-American brothers and sisters have been talking about the fact that they don't share that view, that uh, they find that. You know, what, what's important to them is a candidate who has a platform of policies that's going to be positive for the African American population. And there's an awful lot of black folks that would love to see Elizabeth Warren as the vice president. Well, I would you, love to see you, Elizabeth you, Warren you, at the top you, the yeah, ticket you,
0: you, you were a fan of Elizabeth Warren's from the get go, is that correct?
2: Oh, yeah. I okay. still am. I'm okay. a, yeah, I'm a Warren bet, Democrat just,
0: for life. For, for those that uh, uh, may not have known or heard your previous appearances on this program, you've been a fan of her, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, you, you at least keep her alive. But let me ask the the question to Rosanna. Rosanna, since this appears to be one of the big issues left for the Democrats, and I know you normally don't weigh in on their, on their side, do you think that having a woman of color, do you think that it would increase support for the Democratic nominee with African-American women? Or do you think that the presence uh, of an African-American woman would increase support for those that uh, support the president?
1: Actually, I think people are yearning for somebody who is qualified. Look at what the Michigan governor has done. Um, I think that Democrats have really had enough of her too. So I think somebody who can prove they have great leadership qualities and will put the people first is going to go a long mm, way.
0: Okay, uh, uh, on your pet topic now, let me let me ask: Is the recent decision of the Supreme Court uh, on the DACA uh, decision? Uh, the president tried last night to say that was a big victory for him because all he has to do is go back and change the paperwork. Do you see it that simply?
1: Absolutely. What? Uh, it has been said, even I even read an article with Politico that said, oh, and Obama said that what he did was unconstitutional. He was very upfront about it. So mm-hmm. the Supreme Court pretty much said, you did not cross your T's and dot your I's. Do that, come back. And yes, he is absolutely correct that it was a victory for him. Although I have to say this. In 2007, Trump put forward a bill that would have given amnesty to DACA plus the double the amount of. In people 2000, wait a
0: minute, 2007, he wasn't president
1: 2017. 17, 2017. Okay, 17, oh, okay right, that's right. 2017. So, but what happened is Congress didn't want to touch it uh, because they didn't want to give him a win. We also have to remember
2: that, that's not true. That's not. Obama okay. had
1: uh, the majority. And he didn't do anything to give them amnesty because it's a very unpopular issue.
0: Okay, when we come back, uh, Julie has a difference uh, of opinion on, on, on your assessment. When we come back, we're going to hear, uh, hear Julia's side of this discussion, and we're going to open it up, obviously, to the audience as well. one 800 we are going to talk about illegal immigration. There hasn't been much talk about it lately. We're going to talk about how important it is to the president's re-election, and also the, uh, the, the myriad of other issues that seem to have uh, really pushed illegal immigration. Uh, uh, to the back of the political burner. I'm Bruce Duma from coast to coast, border to border and around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. Thanks for joining us tonight.
3: This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID-19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I
4: don't
5: think I had more than a couple weeks to live.
4: That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper.
5: I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an
3: incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: Bruce Dumont back. I'd be on the Beltway. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for joining us tonight. Before the break, Julia Klein was uh, going to jump in and make a, a clarifying point about something that Rosanna had said. Go ahead, Julia.
2: Yeah, Rosanna made the point that Trump tried to end DACA in 2017, and that's just crazy. Uh, he he's in he's an incessant flip flopper. I mean, he maybe made the statement, but within 48 hours he had rescinded it because uh, uh, Stephen Miller or one of the other advisors mm-hmm. in his cabinet uh, is pushing for a, a, a racist immigration policies, mm-hmm. and and you know jumped all over him like, oh no no no, you can't do that. So. You know, Trump himself has absolutely, I mean, again, maybe literally uttered the words once, but it it doesn't matter. It's like it's not he it's not like he was in favor of ending DACA at any point in time. And to suggest that it would have happened if it were not for Congress is just ludicrous. It's a complete rewriting of history. That's not even close to what happened. Roger, and to what, the extent Roger, that it was ever I put before Congress what, was, what, was only what, what, contingent upon having a border wall included okay, with it. Yeah, I, and Congress was always unwilling to say that, that we're going to have a border wall in exchange for allowing these people who have never known another country and who are contributing citizens of this country, or residents of this country, you know, we're not going to exchange that for this uh, this horrible idea of a border wall for crying out loud. Okay. Let me, let me,
0: let me, just let me just interject here and try to try to keep the conversation flowing, but going back and forth and making sure everybody gets a chance. I want to go back to you, Rosanna and say, and by the way, I, I said at the beginning you and I have been discussing this issue for at least 10 years, maybe longer on this program. Yes. Uh And again, I, 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 I congratulate you that you're one of the few people who has been a long time guest on this program you saw your political dream come true because you were out there when no one on earth was talking about this subject. And along comes a candidate who gets elected president of the United States. Okay. He's been the president for three years now. Are you happy because in your mind has a lot been done on this issue, or do you think he's giving you lip service and not giving you real answers?
1: Well, his record is not perfect. That's for sure we do have more border wall and i was at the border three times and that is surely needed right. um we and especially right now in covid uh there are few jobs and americans and legal residents need to have those jobs so he's talking about um you know curtailing visas and uh, you know, we're thrilled with that. But of course, no, he, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of my friends who have been on the illegal immigration issue since 2005, um, no, we're not perfectly happy. But I was on the border and George Bush called me a vigilante. Right. So between then and now, right. there hasn't been uh, a, a lot of choice. No, so, I, hey, I, I, I I'll I want, take the crumbs. <laughs> okay, good.
0: I, I want to come back. I want to follow up on that, but I want to I want to go over to Julia's pet issue at the moment, uh, or not just for the moment, for for many, many years, and that's the Me Too movement. Uh, you you have riled up a lot of Democrats. You and I are Facebook friends. We share a lot of Facebook friends. There's a lot of people that are really ticked off at you because you, you tend to believe and want to hear the story of Tara Reid, who was a guest on this program a few weeks ago, as were you. And you're concerned because you don't think that Joe Biden gets the importance of the Me Too movement. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you're a frustrated Democrat. You're not really enthused about Joe Biden. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, all of that's correct. I, I would only say um, I'm, uh, it's not that I want to hear Tara Reid. We have all heard Tara Reid. Right. She spoke for herself. Uh, Megyn Kelly gave her a platform. We've heard her story. I think it's credible. Um, you know. And uh, whether I, I don't think that it's essential to believe Tara Reid in order to recognize that Joe Biden's behavior with women has been problematic. And uh, I, I, I think that a long time ago, Joe Biden's uh, behavior regarding race relations was also problematic. However, it certainly seems as though spending eight years alongside Barack Obama has ca- caused him to undergo some real personal transformation. And I, I, I believe, and I can't speak for other Democrats, uh, and certainly not my brothers and sisters of color, but, uh, and black women and men in this country, but I believe that Joe Biden has, has some fundamental, uh, authentic, visceral transformations regarding his views on race. And it's a real shame to me that he has not had anyone in his life that has caused him to do the same thing around uh how he treats women because it, it's problematic do you, it's problematic
0: do you believe that there has been any degree of hypocrisy on on your po- side of the political spectrum i don't mean you personally mm-hmm. that uh, so many women were irate about uh kavanaugh and all of the kavanaugh accusers and they have been less than willing to give tara reid a fair shake
2: uh yes i do believe there's been hypocrisy however it's not the hypocrisy that the right often wants to, to- point to and it's right. not the hypocrisy that you just named um it's because tara reed is in fact a far more uh problematic witness than christine Blasey ford just as an example uh i think it's unquestionable that christine Blasey ford is telling the truth has always been telling the truth and there's and and she is a highly credible witness and so it is a lot um, and, there, and there's never been the uh, the fluctuations in her story and and there was never any uh, problematic nature as to when she brought her allegations mm-hmm. forth as there is with Tara Reid. So I do understand some of people's saying that Tara Reid is not as credible of a, uh, of, a of a witness. So I to want speak. to ask, however. I want what I, the, point I want to, the point where there is the good. hypocrisy is that the argument that has been made against Tara Reid uh, is pulling out all the tropes that are damaging to survivors of sexual assault across the board. People have, have, have harangued on the fact that she doesn't remember all the details. She doesn't know what year it was. She didn't tell anybody at the time. All of these things are true of people women and men because not only women who suffer sexual assault people who mm-hmm. are survivors of sexual assault it's often part of the pattern part of the trauma that they mm-hmm. don't tell people okay. that they keep it a secret okay, that they me, engage then, in I, problematic behavior okay, afterwards and I, so I, all of these accusations against tara reed that she did those there, okay. things and therefore she must be lying has done a terrible disservice okay. to all the progress we've made for I, victims over the last good. 10 years okay I, th-
0: I think i think you made your point let's go to calls let's go to heidi who's listening to us in houston texas go ahead heidi
6: Hi, first-time caller here. Uh, Thank my you. My comments about DACA.
7: Yeah.
6: And um, I think DACA is not only illegal, but it's very unfair, and it's also an amnesty. And I want to bring out a point that's not unf- Unfair to whom? I'll tell you how unfair.
0: Unfair to whom?
6: It's unfair to U.S. citizens, and check this out. Okay. What about the U.S. children whose parents are in the jails? When does the government ever come in and reward them? When do they get in-state discount tuition like the DACA recipients do? Okay? And if, if, our, if, if the U.S. children or if the, uh, if the poor kids, who's U.S. kids, whose um, parents have broken the law and they're sitting in a jail, if they can't get any type of benefits like the DACA people, any type of reward or in-state t- tuition, then it shouldn't be granted. You see, the whole problem with DACA is that this was the parents' fault, and they knew coming in here what they were doing. It's all about amnesty, because when the child—these aren't even children anyway—but when they become 18, they can petition to um, bring in their parents legally. They can already stay because—how do I say this—
0: do you, do, let me just purchase let, purchase me, to, uh, ID, they, let me Heidi. Let, uh, uh, let me ask you sure. a couple of questions, and then I know I want to let our guests also weigh no. in. But do, do you see in, in the in the under the broad umbrella of illegal immigration and how we deal with it? Do you see the DACA group, no matter how large it may be? Do you see them as unique? They in other words, they're not the same people who who sneak into the country and who have survived here or are going from city to city trying to survive looking for a job. Do you think that they are different because they have been here a long time?
6: No, I do not. You do not. I okay. do not. Apparently.
0: Do you no but do, do, they, do, have do had, you also, they have
6: had some of these people, the average age is about twenty three. They've had all this time to become citizens and they have they have been, uh, they decided not to because they get more benefits from our government for being illegal. All right. done hang, on,
0: hang on just a second. Jack nothing. I want to I ask Julia her, her opinion on this. Julia, do you see a difference between a DACA, someone within the DACA population, and someone who just sneaks into the country because they're looking for a better job? Should Are they different people in your mind?
2: Um, <laughs> yes. And all of them should be granted citizenship. Okay. All 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 of them.
0: Okay. That's go. That's going to the next step, but I want to go better. Rosanna, do you see them in, in, in as one pot of people or do you see them? Is there, is there a difference to the DACA people? Rosanna?
1: Yes. The law was broken and the law needs to be enforced.
0: The law was broken by their parents. Would you acknowledge that? Correct. If they are now adults, should they be punished for the mistake of their parents?
1: Well, just like uh, African-Americans are asking for reparations for something that our ancestors did in the 17th century, we have then the right to ask the law be enforced on the people
0: who violated our laws. But you're you're conflating an issue, uh, which is they're both very complex issues you're conflating them which makes it almost impossible to 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 find common ground. So my question to you is if indeed and and, and Heidi made, made this comment I'll come back to you. Heidi you made the point is okay there are people that 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 break our laws. Let, let's 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 let as you said there may be African Americans or or white people who break the law. Their children don't end up going to prison because the parents broke the law. But my question, but like- to, you, but my question to you is should the parents should, should the children of those parents who broke the law many years ago should those children be punished for the sins of their parents I need a I need a 10 second answer go ahead Heidi yes I they believe should. that
6: they okay. need to they need to be unified okay. with the, their parents they need to be sent
0: when we home come back retorted. when we come back we're going to let Rosanna defend that position I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly from Evanston, Illinois
8: Hi, this is Dr. Phil. The new coronavirus called COVID-19 is spreading in China and beyond. While CDC is working to stop the spread of the virus, we can all play a role in stopping this deadly disease. The CDC Foundation is a nonprofit organization supporting emergency response efforts in the United States and around the world. To get updates and learn how to protect friends and loved ones, find out how to help by going to cdcfoundation.org.
0: Bruce, Schumann back, and uh, we've got a uh, comment here coming in from Tom Hagan. He said, uh, what parent treks their kids 500 miles up to the border? Could you imagine an American family trekking their kids cross-country along our highways? Uh, Tom, uh, yes, I can. I think that uh, if if you are a parent and you feel that your children uh, are not going to survive where they are and you have an economic need, you're going to go where that economic need is. And I think that's a parental thing. I know there's a lot of people don't like the idea of just taking your kids and putting them in a caravan and sending them off to the United States. Uh, that's not a good idea. But to, to say that 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 parents won't try to do things that will improve the life of their kids, I uh, I think Americans would do that, and I think that uh, those from Central America and, and Mexico would do the same thing. Uh, we are at the program now where, we're, where one of my favorite parts of the program, I let each of our guests introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves. And we're going to begin with the Julia Klein. Julia, tell us who you are and what you're up to.
2: Yeah. uh, So yeah, my name is Julia Klein. I am a writer and a podcaster and a progressive political activist. Uh, My podcast is called Solving Me Too. As you've indicated, that's my passion project is gender-based workplace uh, harassment, discrimination, and assault. And um, the uh, and I also uh, write about abuses of power as it relates to other issues, specifically money. Uh, so I have a couple best-selling books out. Uh, my one is called "The Entrepreneur's Guide to Sleaze-Free Selling," um, and so I talk about salesmanship as uh, through the lens of how we use our power as it relates to money. Okay.
0: And Julia Pol- uh, sorry, Rosanna Polito, tell us a little bit about who you, who you are.
1: Hi, I was born and raised in Chicago. I was at the border in 2005 with the original Minutemen showing our government that we had a porous border. I ran for Congress in the Illinois 5th Congressional District, and I had the absolute honor of being invited by Congress to come to Washington, D.C. and address illegal
0: immigration. Where does that issue go next, in your view, Rosanna?
1: Well, uh, with... Donald Trump is my president. Uh, I believe now more than ever. He believes in America first, and I believe he's going to take the steps to do that for us.
0: What about Mitch McConnell?
1: Uh what do you mean what about Mitch McConnell? Well, I
0: mean, nothing is going to happen unless Mitch McConnell agrees with that, unless it's completely an executive order. Do you want another executive order, uh, one that will pass muster with the Supreme Court, or do you want legislation? Legislation, we've been talking about it for 15, 20 years. Uh, do you want to see it? And if so, is do you believe that Mitch McConnell, is he on your side or is he standing in the uh, the schoolhouse door?
1: Uh, He's part of the swamp, just like Lindsey Graham. Uh, You know, they move and do things for the American people when uh, it, you know, the air hits them. So, you know, who who knows with them? But Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, I believe Trump is a brilliant man and he's going to do what he can. And he can't do it by himself. Uh, the average voter needs to start getting involved politically, locally, statewide, obviously here in Illinois, they do. Do you
0: think, do you think, and again, I'm going to ask this, uh, do you think that Donald Trump sometimes is his own worst enemy by things that he says or does?
1: Not at all. Not at all. You know, if if so, he is mistake free,
0: he is mistake free.
1: No, but people want to keep bringing up what he says, what he does. Listen, Bruce, if somebody did that to us personally, we could not withstand it either but they don't want to look at the policies. They want to look at what he tweets today. Honestly, he tweets because he has to get around the media that won't report, you know, anything okay. but fake news. I,
0: th- I think we know. And, and again, we probably have it on all sides that are on this program. We, we have, we have, and, and we've had it for 39 next year. Next week is our 40th anniversary. So we've had it for, for 40 years is that sometimes you are so in love with your candidate you can't acknowledge when they make some mistakes, okay, but that's okay. That's okay. Julie, I want to go back to you and because uh, one of the points that the President made last night over and over again was that he is he is that the Trump administration is for law and order. And he said that the silent majority is going to rise up, at least that's what he suggested. Uh, when you look at all the images of the looting, not not the peaceful demonstrations, but the looting and, and the arson that has popped up in some of these uh, disturbances around the United States, would you acknowledge that uh, you're a little fearful of how people who may not be as politically astute as you are may be reacting to all this negative publicity, and they will like the idea of someone that's going to give them law and order?
2: No. First of all, uh, the vast it. majority of the violence and the arson and the fires have been caused by police officers. And we know that as a point Say of Say that
0: one more time. Say that one more time.
2: The vast majority of the violence and the fires that uh, happened at, in conjunction with the George Floyd protests have been created by police officers. What is your evidence
0: when, to that? Uh, that, that, that when that they shoot a, tear gas canisters. That is a, start, that those is a things, startling. That is a startling. That is a
2: startling allegation. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I guess that you and I read different news outlets then. I've watched 300 videos of police officers randomly attacking peaceful people for doing absolutely nothing wrong but standing there and exercising their First Amendment rights. As far as the fires go, uh, they've shot tear gas canisters by the hundreds. And those things are hot. And when they f- shoot them through a window, which is what they do, then it lands on whatever it lands on inside the building that starts a fire. So the vast they majority of the fires on, have been caused us- by police action. They
0: usually do that on the street. And again, I'm going to open it up to phone calls to respond to this. If you are a law enforcement officer or you want to respond to that allegation from Julia Klein, feel free to do so. So just to answer my question... You don't believe that the American voters that's sitting home watching TV, not, not, not as politically involved as you two women tonight, you believe that when they're home watching television, they are going to have a different response from the people who were watching TV in 1968 who became the silent majority that elected Richard Nixon. You don't think there was, that audience exists anymore.
2: I think that you're drawing the wrong conclusion. Uh, I think that what happened as a result of uh, especially white, northern, uh, ordinary citizens mm-hmm. watching the civil rights uh, uh, pro- Marches of the of the mid '60s and watching innocent people getting fire-hosed and bitten by dogs. The result of that was that we passed civil rights legislation, and that it, so to, to say that the that the the, the televised uh, hostility of police officers uh, that uh, from the '60s, which is continuing again today, resulted in the election of Nixon, and therefore will elect. Nope, uh, I nope, mean, that's nope, just nope. a completely inaccurate conclusion. No, 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 right? no, you're, you're,
0: no, no. Let, let me let, let me clarify what my point. You're correct that the images that uh, were carried of of predominantly Southern police departments uh, uh, using their power to shut down peaceful protests in the early days of the civil rights movement led to people all over the country becoming irate and becoming aware of the plight of blacks in America's South. You're absolutely correct that that was an image and, and the result was as you have described. However, I'm talking about a different point in time. I'm talking okay. about 1968 when there were riots following the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King and then the Democratic convention in uh, August of 1968 and you had demonstrations and you had other riots including Watts and a lot of other things that were happening during that period of time. And in that particular case it was rioting, it was looting. It was it was the it was the bad side of what's happening right now and that got that got a hell of a lot more television coverage, and that's where the silent majority came from. The silent majority was not referring to what happened uh, with Alabama at, at the, at the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge.
2: It, okay, it, I understand was, the point you're making. So, I'm just, so, let, me, two let, me so let me respond two to the point you're making. Yes. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah so uh the the riot the 1968 riots I have every reason to believe were the violence was caused by the police then every bit as much as the violence is being caused by the police now the difference is that back then we uh, were reliant upon mainstream or I shouldn't say mainstream on you know three major news channels to carry the video of what was happening and it was edited. Now we have the benefit of every American president basically having a video camera in their back pocket and so we've That's got true. video, we've got all That's kinds true. of video and so you know, all you need to do is do a search on Twitter and be open to okay. looking for it. There are hundreds, and probably by that, now there's that, thousands you know, that, of videos that, that, of You know, You're, you're right, that, that is violence.
0: that is the big difference that social media is, is a medium form, it isn't just the networks, but I will tell you, back in the 1960s, in, in 1968 uh, and, and during that era I was in the Illinois National Guard. It was the most active, uh, activated National Guard in the United States. It was federalized by Lyndon Johnson after the assassination of Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I will tell you that what was going on in the streets is very similar to some of the things that I see now. I see it, it wasn't—they didn't call it Antifa or anarchy then, but you had you had professional— professionals out there who were doing nothing but deliberately creating chaos they wanted they they were firing at police they were saying horrible things to the police and 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 they and they moved the police and the police had to act and what i'm saying is that when the when the police act i'm talking about how america is going to react and that's what's going to happen in november we've got to move on we've got to take another call let's go to steve listening to us in new london new hampshire on one of our oldest affiliates wntk go ahead uh, steve
5: uh, just just a few quick points. I listened to the caller, Heidi, and I think the guest name was Ros- Rosina, Rosanna, Rosanna, and it is truly disheartening to see how how little empathy that so many people in this country have for others. Whether or not they came illegally or illegally, and obviously they came illegally, they came generally as children. Yes, they're in their 20s now. Many of them are productive in society. But the idea that we would send back hundreds of thousands of kids to a place they know nothing of, who have effectively uh, learned American culture, they are Americans, other than they may not yet be citizens. Steve, Steve, let me interject
0: interject right now. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't go away. When we come back, I'll give Rosanna an opportunity to respond to your question, and you two can engage in conversation. I'm Bruce
9: Dumont, back shortly. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit moveforwardpt.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Come on back
0: in Evanston, Illinois. We got a, a, a email here saying that uh, they wish that Tom Roser, who for many years was a regular guest on this program, he was one of the original panel members when we went on the air, uh, you know, forty years ago. Next week. And they said that they they wish that Tom was uh, alive because he would have corrected me about my attitude towards uh, President Trump. So uh, you have – and then someone else says, and you think Bruce Dumont is a never-Trumper? With a big question, Mark. That was from uh, Dodie. So, again, we have disagreement on this. But, again, uh, we are – get back to uh, our conversation. And uh, let us go to – Let's go, no, Steve uh, from New Hampshire, you were on the line, and you were making a point, and I wanted Rosanna to respond. And, because, I'd
5: like to make one of the points Rosanna. No,
0: let, 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 her, let her respond to what you've said thus far, because okay. you said that she has okay. she's insensitive. So let, let's let her tackle that one. Go ahead.
1: He, he actually said, I have no empathy. Yeah. I reserve my empathy when I consider that illinois for instance spends four billion dollars a year on free services for illegal aliens my empathy goes to veterans who don't get the services they need uh they fought for the country senior citizens have built the country that's where my empathy is that they have to mortgage their homes to send their kids to school and uh, it seems like the illegal aliens get a free pass. So I do have a lot of empathy for my fellow Americans.
0: Go ahead, Steve. Uh,
5: can I answer? First of all, that is a non-answer. We ha- we, in this country, we have plenty of money to solve our needs if we're willing to spend it. Second thing is, from an economic point of view, these hundreds of thousands of kids, we have a declining population uh, in this country. And without immigration, we will be in the path of other countries are also having facing a declining population which will definitely hurt our economic well-being so these kids have been trained they've been grown up in America they've been went to school they are they're in the Armed Forces they are valid not everybody of course they're valedictorians they are providing service to our country it is no fault of theirs that they were brought here when they were one year old six months old two years old and if they were brought here the the re, reality is most of those people came came for economic opportunity and where were the penalties on employers go to go to look at the chicken farms in the south and find out when they rounded up illegal aliens or you know illegals there they didn't go after the owners of the chicken farms the you know which so it's just a false idea it is a narrow-minded xenophobic idea of keeping america the way it was well america is no longer the way it is it is better and sir, uh, I,
7: it just, sir I, I just said, let's just back to a Rosanna.
0: Latina. Let's go to Rosanna. Sure. Go ahead. Go sir, ahead.
1: I am a, a Latina. So, uh no, I think it's about uh caring for our fellow Americans. Listen, nobody wants to talk about this point that illegal aliens who they have hurt the most, the people group is African Americans because so much of the dollars have gone to help education incarceration hospitalization free services for illegals when our own kids in the ghetto cannot read or write no we take care of americans first whether they be black okay. white latino okay. asian those are the people that get okay. the rosanna want, rosanna the
0: rosanna and steve hang on a second i want to bring julie sure. into the conversation julie uh, go ahead
2: yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a false dichotomy that you're trying to draw, Rosanna. It's not like we're going to take, you know, it, it, let's just imagine that we just booted every illegal immigrant tomorrow, right? You got your wish, wave a magic wand, boom, they're all gone. And, you know, and first of all, you're grossly inflating the amount of federal dollars that go to uh, undocumented immigrants in the first place. But putting that aside, let's just stipulate that you know, the amount of money that you think no. is spent is, it's not like the federal government is going to suddenly reappropriate those dollars and put them towards, you know, poor. Black people in the in the ghetto and or to veterans. That's crazy. Of course, we we need to give more money to veterans. But the reason that veterans are not getting enough money is not because too much money is going to uh, undocumented immigrants. We, we the federal government just gave three trillion dollars to corporations as part of the CARES Act that's I mean we can manuf- we literally are manufacturing money the Fed is literally manufacturing money in order to keep the airline industry afloat in order to keep the stock market afloat so you know if, if you and I should be on the same side as far as being irate at that veterans don't get enough money but the, the 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 villain in this scenario is absolutely not undocumented immigrants and to Steve's point, Undocumented immigrants, as a group, contribute significantly more than they take. Undocumented immigrants are the Illinois and the New York of this country. As a group, you're shaking your head, no, but that's just you can't. There's, there's, it's a factually accurate. Julia, statement. would you acknowledge, would you acknowledge,
0: however, that in some states, whether it's Nevada or California, the illegal immigration issue and the impact on their state budgets is, in many cases, out of hand. In just those, maybe it's not in all 50 states, but would you
2: acknowledge that in some states it might be the case? I'm not well versed on Nevada's budget issues. And there certainly is room for immigration reform in this country. Everybody agrees on that issue. The problem is that uh, the people who are opposed to immigration see, are, are just, they, you've got this fetish about they broke the law, therefore, like our first caller, Heidi, they broke the law and therefore they must be punished. That's insane. We Immigrants just want are the our backbone. No, we I do not. I, our
1: laws enforced. That's all. But, but, that's like. a, but
2: it, it's, it's, you're cutting off the, the country's nose despite its face to say that we just must enforce these laws. It's it's a petty law. It's not like they're running around murdering a few undocumented immigrants, murder people, but a smaller percentage than people born in this country commit murders. But you know, by cutting by saying that we got to get rid of uh, uh, immigrants, including undocumented immigrants, we're cutting off our noses despite our faces. Immigrants contribute more to this country in terms of dollars, in terms of intellectual ca- a, okay. capital I'm than note. people born here do. in this country. Note. we need to figure out how to make them legal. On that
0: note. Ladies, ladies, and the gentlemen listening, we are out of time on that particular point. Julia Klein, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Roseanne Polito, thank you for joining us. Uh, It was a lively discussion. We'll have you two back to pick this up at some point in the future. I'm Bruce Dumont. Again, in the second hour, we're going to be joined by Coco Sudek. She's a liberal judith sherwin she's a conservative and we're also going to introduce you to joe jorgensen she is the libertarian candidate for president of the united states all coming up in the next hour on beyond the beltway don't go away
6: what is hope hope to me was just that he would get to come home i had no
4: idea how hard it would be once he got back
9: i wish she'd stop drinking so much she thinks it's helping but it's not i hope she sees that soon
10: i act like i don't care if he comes to my games but i hope he does
9: i used to hope he'd find happiness again
3: now i hope I'm married to Max. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back.
9: I hoped he'd get help.
2: Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is
4: knowing there are other families just like yours that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com.
5: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
7: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family.
0: America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives.
6: I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home.
0: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support
5: more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
3: Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference, now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Bruce Dumont
0: back on Beyond the Beltway, hour number two. Thank you very much for joining us. In this hour, we're going to be joined by progressive or liberal attorney, Akoko Sudek. Conservative attorney Judith Sherwin. And uh, the woman in the middle is uh, Joe Jorgensen. She is the Libertarian Party candidate for President of the United States. She is a lecturer uh, from Clemson University, uh, originally from Illinois, uh, Libertyville, I believe. And uh, Joe, let me uh, welcome you to be on the Beltway. Nice to have you with us this evening.
11: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks
0: so much. I'd like to begin by asking you, and then I want to hear from our liberal and our conservative, uh, how important is it to you, if you were president, how important is it to you right now to end the siege in Seattle?
11: i as a federal official as president i would say that's the local issue one of the big problems we have in our country is the federal government it gets to where it shouldn't belong for instance it gets into education which should be between parents teachers and students it gets into the police uh, again crime is a local issue there's no reason for the federal government to get involved and i'd like to add that without the federal government giving the local police tanks grenade launchers extra money for extra equipment and free training, then we might not have that soldier mentality. Right now, we've got the federal government militarizing local police and it needs to stop.
0: Okay, that's your point. Let's go to Judith Sherwin. Uh, Judith, how important is what's happening in Seattle and does it need to be nipped in the bud?
10: Well, I believe that it uh, it is a local issue. It is something that the governor and the mayor of Seattle ought to be taking care of, which they clearly are not doing so I think um, I, I listened earlier today to an interview with uh, Bill Barr. I, I have to agree with him. The federal government has some responsibilities in terms of protecting citizens when their civil rights are being trampled upon uh, or are not being protected by their local authorities. Uh, we saw that kind of action in the 60s when the federal government intervened in the South in order to protect Uh, the uh, black community from Mm -hmm. the local Southern uh, police. So Mm -hmm. I think that a failure on the part of the police to act as they're doing, or not even just a failure, many of the police probably want to act. They're being prevented from acting. I believe that the federal government at some point may step in. And I think it would be in order to protect the rights of the people in that nine-
7: I
0: I want to hear Coco's response. Coco, uh, is this an important issue that needs resolution?
7: I mean, it's an issue that needs resolution, but here's the great thing, Bruce. And by the way, thanks for having me back. I'm going to agree with the other two conservatives today. I do think it's a local issue. I don't (laughs) think the federal government should step in right now. I think it is um, part of the syndrome that we're seeing right now. And I think that it ought to be resolved at the state and local level.
0: Next question to you, Joe. Uh, If you were president of the United States, would you support a national holiday for Juneteenth?
11: I would. I believe our country has two independence days. The first one, Fourth of July, was independence from government. And the second one is independence from some humans, from other humans. Judith Sherwin.
10: Yeah, I, I would support making it a national holiday. Um, I really would. I, I, uh, I learned myself about the date uh, several years ago from some friends of mine, and mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. I never heard about it in school. Um, and, and I think if we do make it a national holiday, we should make very clear why the day that slavery finally ended in the United States, being the 19th of June, uh, was because the the Southern um, Confederacy, yeah. and at this point, I won't get into the partisanship. Yeah. but the Southern Confederacy kept the information from the slaves, and yeah. and so when uh, the Union soldiers finally got to Texas, it was late and it was clear <laughs> that this was done. Um, that was the end of slavery. So I think it's okay. a very important. Coco, history. I want to I want to go to you. That they learned. Bruce, I'm sorry to disappoint you.
7: <laughs> I agree with the other two again. Oh, no, that's okay. I think, I think it should be a, a, a federal holiday. I think it's an important day. I also think it's really important. I mean, Judy just mentioned something really important, which is, you know, I didn't learn this in school either. I learned it through reading as an adult. That it needs to be part of the curriculum okay. throughout the country. And I think there's. The, I
0: think, by the way, the, I, I, I am not opposed to having guests on this program. Who agree with each other? Okay, we, 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 every once in a, I don't think we have to fabricate heat on this program. Uh, and in this particular case, uh, we have some light that's coming up. And and so let let me move. Uh, you know, may, to, to may, the,
11: may to I the next add step. a quick yes, point? Yes, go. I would like to point out, usually the free market does a much better job than the government. And here's one more instance in which we saw many different private companies have this as a holiday long before the federal government. They did that with gay rights. Uh, the Walt Disney Company offered right. benefits to the spouses of or the partners of gay people in the early 90s, 20 years before the federal government. So once again, the free market does a much better job than government.
0: And also, uh, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the the grease because in this particular case, we would not be having this discussion, I don't believe, uh, had there not been this horrible police incident in, in Minnesota that started this uh, whole discussion which uh, has now sped up the you know the uh, the discussion which appears to be very bipartisan not only here tonight but in congress that that one year from now uh, on the 100th anniversary of uh, of uh, at least uh, the situation uh, you know in in Tulsa uh, we will be celebrating the 100th anniversary of uh, Juneteenth uh, and and the importance of it. Even though uh, the uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed two years before that, and uh, uh, it was actually delivered there a couple of weeks before the June 19th, but it was on June 19th where they had this horrible uh, situation where uh, law enforcement and and vigilantes and, and Ku Klux Klan and everyone were involved in in making life miserable and murdering uh, black citizens. Uh, you know, at that particular moment in time. It also just coincidentally. Uh, when I when I heard that date, it it reminded me it was June 19th of 1964 where the civil rights bill was passed. That's the date. So there's another reason to look to June 19th as an important issue, and I think it, it is important that we have our declaration of independence from the British. And then we have the the Declaration of True Freedom for all Americans that, that go with the Emancipation Proclamation. So I would think that this is something that's going to uh, sail through uh, – uh, I guess nothing really sails through Congress, but it doesn't seem to have any significant opposition there. I want to go back now to the next big issue is how, how do we get to – uh, the point where we can address some of the the issues and whether they're systemic or unique uh, to particular police forces of uh, of overreaction. I'm gonna I'm not gonna say police brutality. I'm gonna say overreaction uh, to police situations. Uh, what 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 recommendations do you bring to the table, Joe?
11: As I mentioned earlier, we need to get the federal government out of it, because what we've done is we've militarized local police departments. And what I want to do as part of my platform is bring our troops home. I don't want to be at war with other countries, and I certainly don't want to be at war with our citizens. I think, you know, once again, the federal government has overstepped its bounds and it's just caused problems as it always does. Okay. And, and I would like to add, of course, uh, when Governor Wallace sat, uh, stood there at the steps and prevented blacks of in course, Alabama, when when, of course, if somebody's civil rights are being violated, the federal government needs to step in. But we're nowhere near close. And I would say the government caused this escalation. When
0: we come back, I want to hear a conservative uh, and a liberal, both attorneys, both officers of the court. I want them to explain uh, the first two or three steps that they think are very important uh, to lowering tensions between the African American communities, not just the African American communities, but America's police departments.
3: This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID 19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. A few years ago, Steve
4: Faircow's lungs were failing.
5: I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live.
4: That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper.
5: I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
4: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
0: Come on back. A, just a clarification: the uh, the Greenwood uh, Riots uh, back in nineteen twenty one, just outside of Tulsa, did not take place on June nineteenth. I stand corrected on it was actually uh, May thirty first uh, and over to June first. Uh, But again, uh, just to clarify, uh, it's part of an overall discussion of of June 19th. But uh, the June 19th is when uh, the Union soldiers eventually got to Galveston and reported uh, that the Civil War uh, was over and that Africans uh, or blacks at that time uh, were uh, totally emancipated. Um, Let's go to you, Judith Sherwin. You're our hard-carrying conservative tonight. Um, Do you believe that... um, it is, is the likelihood of solving the problem between police departments who were perceived by some as being overbearing or sometimes brutal, is that an issue that can be resolved? And if so, if so uh, what type of legislation or leadership is needed to get to that point?
10: Well, I think before you get to legislation, um, I think you almost need a public service announcement. And you need it probably for everybody in this country.
0: Which says? Uh,
10: and and the public service announcement would be the talk I had with my own son when he turned 16 and he got a driver's license. Now, my son is white from a middle-class family. Um, he was, at the time, not a terribly mouthy teenager, but he certainly thought he was one of the hotshots of the world. They all do. And, down and i explained to him that if you ever get stopped by a policeman you put your hands on the wheel you never do anything that he tells you not to do or she tells you not to do in those days it was all he's Mm -hmm. and and you obey their commands and if you feel that you have been unfairly dealt with don't worry about it we will deal with that in another forum.
0: okay stop for a second I want to turn to Coco Sudek, and Coco, I want you to respond to the same question I asked Judith and uh, whether or not you agree with, with some of the, uh, the the remedy that uh, Judith provided.
7: I mean, not at all. I, I think, I, look at the Philando Castile case in St. Paul. This was a good guy who worked at a school, and he got pulled over, and he told the cops, I have a I have a gun on my possession, and I have a license to carry it, and he wound up dead by the end of that traffic Stop. And he did everything that they told him to do. So sometimes, well, in, in too many cases, hang on, Judy. Sometimes, in too many cases, the police aren't willing to take yes or excuse me for an answer. And the the thing is, we are Americans. The answer is not we should obey to keep ourselves safe. The answer is the police work for us to protect and serve. We can't have a a democracy in which we have to kowtow to keep our law. But again, but but if if we, if we, we, but but, Coco, let me uh,
0: let me ask this follow up. If 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 we are if if we if we if we are explaining, and as you say, uh, the police are. You know, we shouldn't kowtow to them. But again, isn't part of this discussion, regardless of, of of the races involved? And I, Joe, I want you to respond to this first. Isn't part of this answer is that a government gives sanction to police officers? They represent government. They represent yes. law and order. And if they yeah. ask you to do something, do it because they they're officers of of, of the legislature at that point.
11: Joe, do you agree with that? They are officers, officers of the legislature, but the problem is, is that we've seen that blacks are treated completely differently when it comes to uh, pulling people over. And in fact, there was a famous case in South Carolina where a woman was having her washing machine serviced by a black man who owned his own appliance company, and she was shocked when she found out that he had been stopped something like six times over the previous year, for basically nothing—not speeding—but because he had a washing machine in the back of his truck so they thought he was stealing it or something like that. So we've had racism built into the government uh, really since the slaves were freed. Uh, A lot of people know the story about uh, Rosa Parks being asked to sit in the back of the bus. What a lot of people don't know is that was a government run, government owned bus. So the government has gotten away with uh, discrimination for hundreds of years because they have the power to, whereas okay. uh, private industry couldn't do that.
0: All right, well, let's go to Judith and then to Coco. Judith, go ahead.
10: First of all, on the Orlando Castillo case, um, that case was tried in a court, and the testimony that came out in the court was that unfortunately this gentleman did not do exactly what the police told him to do. They told him not to reach for anything. They told him to be perfectly still. And instead of doing that, he did continue to reach for whatever he was reaching for. And having told them that he had a gun, you had officers standing there who were afraid he was going for a gun and the jury Acquitted okay. the officers for what happened okay. because they believed that they actually were frightened for their lives. Okay. So, by the way, I'm going to just
0: I'm just going to interject here because I, I I don't want this to be a recitation of every high profile well, case. But but you you made your point. I want to <laughs> I want I want to go to Coco. I wanna, Coco was going to respond to a previous question, and then I want to I want to move on to to a to to broader discussions uh, that can help resolve some of these future incidents as they come forward. How, how can we get uh, those who are stopped and how do we get those who are police officers, how do we get them to react maybe a little bit differently in the future? Right. But, uh, but again, I want to go back to you, Coco.
7: So let me say a couple of things. First of all, the f- one problem with the Philando Castillo case is that the law, it favors the police and allows them to literally get away with murder. Let's put that aside. I want to tell a really stupid story. I had to go to the uh, one of the police precincts in Chicago for something totally innocent, and I went in. You know, I, the guy behind the desk was expressly, ridiculously, patently rude because yeah. he could be. Now right. I don't really tell that, and it was and it was irksome. It was so annoying. I would never. But, argue. Hang on, hang on. Absolutely. The reason I tell you this, hang on. The reason I tell you this is because it's just my stupid little interaction. We've all had interactions with police officers. Some are good, some are bad. You know, as a white lady, I've had my share that have been just unpleasant for no reason. And the reason I'm saying this is because in a lot of cases, the police have been allowed to adopt an attitude of might makes right, because they've got a gun, they get to act in any way they want. And we are a civilized society. And the police have to be disabused of this idea that we work for them. They work for us. It's their responsibility to keep the peace and to de-escalate situations. And if they are, are so afraid of everything that happens on the job, they should not have the job. Does All right, this go I back? I, I want to go, Judith. I'm going to go to you in to just
0: a moment. Just, entire, just a second. Just a, a second, folks. The folks
7: philosophy step step policing. back,
0: folks. Please step step back. Let, let the moderator come in with a question. Uh, Joe, I want to go to you to follow up on what we've discussed is part of this problem we're talking about, uh, which Coco just talked about. She talked about a rude officer. I'm sure that most, many people, I don't want to say most, many people listening or watching the show this evening may have had an unpleasant experience with a police officer. They might, may have gotten a ticket. Maybe they can't talk them talk them way out of it. They may be white. They may be African-American. They may be uh, Chinese, whatever the case may be. My question to you is, are the unions, to what extent are the unions, have they created an attitude amongst police officers that they can have a chip on their shoulder? They don't have to be officer-friendly to everyone that walks in, whether it's Coco Sudek or, or Rufus Brown. They don't have to do it. What's your reaction to that?
11: Well, of course, I think one of the problems is that they do have qualified immunity, that they are allowed to do Uh, basically murder somebody and then hide behind the law because they are police officers. So I stand with Justin Amash and his bill to end that. I would like to say that part of the problem is that there's racism built into the system. So, for instance, we talk about unpleasant encounters with police officers. Well, if you're black, you just have more of them because you're stopped more often. And a lot of these are systemic, again, to the federal government. For instance, let's end the drug laws. Right now, we've got a drug war, I wanna call a drug peace, that's very racist and basically we're giving longer sentences to blacks. We've got uh, the drugs that people of color tend to use versus whites, they've got longer sentences built in. And so if we've got this system, It's just going to create problems. So what we need to do is we need to return to a free market where we can voluntarily react, uh, voluntarily trade with each other and act with each other how we want, as opposed to having a government who is setting down unreasonable laws that create this problem to begin with. Judith Sherwin.
10: Yeah. So um, as an attorney, um, I have handled a number of cases involving what used to be called police brutality. They've dealt with white officers and black black people. They've dealt with black officers and white people. They've dealt with white officers and white people. The police, I will agree with you, Coco, many of them have a chip on their shoulder. And and I don't know that they they believe they have this or they have this chip on their shoulder because of qualified immunity. They don't think they have a right to kill people. I don't think that's anywhere near... reasonable position but qualified immunity is nothing more than than a device in the court where the police are given a little bit of an extra edge because they are our representatives and they are the representatives of the community they are called officers of the law for a reason however there is no question that many cops do have this chip and it creates a lot of problems with a lot of people and and numerous cases all over the place and i'm still dealing with it because i represent prisoners um, in, in uh, pro bono in the district court here in chicago this is a systemic problem that could be helped with training okay, okay. we got to a pause
0: we got a pause i want to talk more but about training I, when can I we come back to, we don't you know we, no, no. we're going we're going to a break when you hear the music, we're going to a break. You've got to sell something. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Evanston,
8: Illinois. Hi, this is Dr. Phil. The new coronavirus called COVID-19 is spreading in China and beyond. While CDC is working to stop the spread of the virus, we can all play a role in stopping this deadly disease. The CDC Foundation is a nonprofit organization supporting emergency response efforts in the United States and around the world. To get updates and learn how to protect friends and loved ones, find out how to help by going to cdcfoundation.org.
4: Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Ironman.
0: Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us on Beyond the Beltway. And again, uh, a reminder about next week. Next week uh, marks the 40th anniversary of this program uh, when it began way back in 1980. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But also, I want to just let you know up front, we're doing our regular show next uh, week. It's not going to be, you know... 40 years of highlights or uh, conversations with people that you may not even know or may even have passed away. Uh, We're doing a real live show next week, so come back for that. But, again, uh, we'll be offering some assessments on uh, the uh, the many issues that we have just covered in 40 years on this program. It just – it is – it really, it, it is American history after four decades and we'll talk about it, uh, over the, uh, with all, well, all of our guests, uh, next week. And we, and, and since, uh, we have talked this evening about race relations, uh, race relations is, is one of the topics. I think we probably have spent more time discussing on a national level than any program that's on American radio. And, uh, Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about it next week because it was a problem 40 years ago. It still is a problem now. It's not been resolved, but hopefully uh, we can uh, get to uh, some discussion after we have some, uh, some light, not just heat, to the discussion, and that is our goal each and every week. Let's let our guests now introduce themselves, and let's begin with Coco Sudek. Coco, tell us a little bit about yourself.
7: Hi, I'm Coco Sudek. I'm a corporate lawyer and an art lawyer, and I help people make things and money.
0: And you said a couple of weeks ago on this program, you didn't like Amy Klobuchar for vice president. And uh, you must be happy that she is now, she may have been the last person in Minnesota to realize she was going to be vice president.
7: Yeah, she would have been a terrible, <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible candidate. But she makes a great senator.
0: Okay, let's go to Judith Sherwin. Uh, Judith, tell a little bit, tell us about yourself.
10: Hi, I'm Joe Sherwin. I, uh, I'm a lawyer in Chicago. I do a lot of trial work and uh, mostly in the healthcare area. And uh, I also teach at Loyola University uh, in the area of uh, ethics and civil rights.
0: And Joe Jorgensen, let me introduce you. you are the libertarian candidate for president of the United States. Tell us a little bit more about uh, your background.
11: So politically, I was Harry Brown's 1996 VP running mate. So one of the few women who have been on the ballot in all 50 states. And I hope to do it again this time. I teach at Clemson University. I teach psychology. And I would love to respond to Judy's uh, last comment as somebody who teaches psychology. Go. Okay, so I am not a lawyer, but I do have a PhD in psychology. So I understand motivation. And I understand that while reward works better than punishment, punishment does work. Now, I'm not suggesting people are becoming cops so they can go out and murder people. What I'm saying is, is if there's a huge uh, penalty out there, if there's a huge punishment, then people are going to be a little more careful with what they do. And I also want to mention, because I keep hearing people, and I heard somebody tonight say, we need more training. Uh, it, it's, it's somewhat oversimplified to just say one thing like training. You can have a state police academy train everybody in the state, and yet you've got different cultures. Around on the place, you've got different leadership. You've got different teamwork styles. You've got different, again, rewards and punishments for each one. So training is one piece of the puzzle. It appears,
0: based on what the president had to say this past week, uh, and also what's in the uh, the Democrat uh, bill on the House, and so far as police reforms are concerned, one area where they appear to agree, and that is on the issue of some sort of a a nationwide clearinghouse. Uh, or reporting system to sort of better identify uh, potential uh, bad cops. Does everybody think that's a good idea or is, are there some impractical aspects of that? Anybody?
10: I think it's
7: a good idea.
0: Okay. Uh,
7: I think, I think it's a good idea because I think transparency in government is critical for a democracy.
0: And uh, the chokehold, they they
7: all think we we should, we should know about them.
10: Well, I I think we should know about, you know, police who who have been adjudicated by their own departments right. to acted improperly. That's that's very important, right. and and the transparency. It's it's one thing to know about it. I think the national database, should there be one, will give police departments an incentive to do something right. about police who are problematic because there's no question there are some police who are problematic, like the guy who didn't talk to you nicely when you walked into the precinct. I mean, but that's, it's not the way many of them behave. Okay.
0: Well, that, that also, I, I I would, I would think that that might not be, uh, that, that, that is a, uh, that, that's a labor relations issue and a supervisory uh, opportunity, in that, yeah, I, I don't um, think you're saying, Coco. Unless I'm misunderstanding, I don't think you're saying that that bad incident that you had of rudeness uh, should go on a police officer's record no, and, and he's no, fired from a job. Not at all. Okay. No, but, no, but
7: no, no. I used it only as an yes, example because my tiny inconsequential interaction with the with the this police officer was, you know, annoying, and you know I can't imagine how much worse and how much more maddening no. it is when things get so much more serious and dire, but I do think that there is an entire, there's a cultural problem, not only in the police forces, but also in the country that, that criminalizes everything and looks to the police to do way too many things Uh and gives them way too much power. And that is a, there's in some ways that's going to have to be a cultural conversation that it will be an extension so, of the conversations that we're having now. One, the, one of the things yeah. that
0: one of the things that has come up in the discussion of defunding uh, police departments has been that uh, there is a mental health expert, uh, or, or you know, that goes out, and or a social worker that goes out on police calls, or maybe in some cases even replaces a police call, uh, because so many of the initial uh, involvement uh, of the police deal with a domestic issue or deal with 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 mental illness. Do you agree with that, Joe? That, that's, that's, that maybe you need, I, I don't want to say a special police force, but you need more expertise that can go out on some of these police calls.
11: I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm running for president, and I'm going to leave that up to communities. You know, The people who are in rural Appalachia, for instance, have different needs than those people in uh, downtown New York City, and that's a problem that we've had is we've had federal government coming up with a one-size-fits-all laws that everybody's supposed to follow, education, drug laws, uh, policing, and so forth, and so I'm going to leave it up to the Police, the communities, the mayor, the taxpayers, the citizens, the city council, let each community decide something. And only if it gets really bad, such as George Wallace, uh, preventing blacks from going to school, does the president need to step in.
0: Yeah, but you didn't you also say in the last segment that you favor uh, uh, legalization of drugs?
11: Oh, absolutely, and and I. Well, that is don't don't uh, wait wait just a minute don't don't you wait just a minute don't
0: you think if wait if if your position is you want all the states to make the decisions should there be some states that uh, are are maybe strict on drugs and others that are not? I
11: believe. Why does the federal government have to come
0: down on that on that position?
11: Yeah. I believe that all drugs should be legal at the federal level. Uh, it, you know if the states want to have their own uh, laws, that's something that I wouldn't interfere with, but people would be able to at least move to different states. But I, we saw that drug prohibition didn't work and a lot of people don't realize that we had states and communities who basically had drug prohibition before the federal government and dr- uh, uh, I'm sorry alcohol prohibition, alcohol prohibition didn't work and drug prohibition isn't working. So that's one of the things I would
0: like to do. To alcohol, let me just mention alcohol prohibition worked for the one reason why it was passed. And that is it reduced massive alcoholism as a problem in the United States. Now there, yeah. there were, there were unintended consequences that came with that, like organized crime and everything mm-hmm. else. But the initial proposal, uh, why people wanted a, a dry country they wanted to end massive alcoholism, and that part of it worked. Judith, sure, when you raised your hand, but those listening yeah. on radio, people are raising their hands. <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping that you see it. So, I mean, the I, I think uh, uh, with with respect, I understand that you're the libertarian candidate for for president, um, but uh, you can't make all drugs um, legal on the federal level and say that the federal government is going to take that position federally, and then the states are going to decide whether or not to have laws against drugs. That's kind of backwards. It doesn't work. If I can finish, please. Go ahead. I didn't say anything about what you had to say about your psychology. Please uh, let me speak about what I have to say about our federal system that's how it works okay so if the state of illinois decides they want to legalize marijuana which they just did uh and the federal government still has marijuana on the federal schedule for purposes of the state of illinois and prosecutions in this state no one can be prosecuted for using marijuana within the limits of our legalized marijuana in this state okay however Something to bear in mind, and maybe it'll segue us into another issue. If you get involved in a federal issue under Title Seven with respect to marijuana, an employer could still terminate you if, indeed, they've discovered that their, if their policies say no marijuana, and on the federal level marijuana is still an interdicted drug, you could still be terminated and not be able to use the state of Illinois' legalization of marijuana as a defense. So, this is a federal system. It operates on two levels. Mm. I'm not saying that that's a good result. Okay. It's a terrible result. It's a very difficult situation for everybody. W- and and um,
0: okay, I want to. I want to. Okay, you. I think you made I your point, would, Judith. Well, I, I want. Can
10: I, re-
11: can I respond to that real quick? In ten seconds, go ahead.
10: Okay. For instance.
11: Uh, in South Carolina, we had laws against alcohol being sold on Sunday, but when I lived in Texas, we could buy alcohol on Sundays. That's what I'm saying about states can have their own laws. Uh, we can't buy alcohol after, you know, liquor after 7 o'clock at night here. Other states, you can. I know. So.
0: In Illinois, in Chicago, we can't win football games on Sunday. It's just it's where we are.
11: <laughs> I'm Bruce
0: Dubot, back shortly from Evanston, Illinois.
9: Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit moveforwardpt.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association.
0: Bruce Dumont, back. Thanks very much for our last segment of Beyond the Beltway this week. And again... Uh... Uh, a reminder: uh, I've mentioned this before. Uh, if you are a regular listener to this program on radio, I've mentioned to you that if for some reason you ever tune in and the program is not on the radio station, there may be a preempton, a preemption for a, a sporting event. If we if we did have sporting events, or sometimes there's a there's a special that's on. Uh, if you ever can't find us on your local radio station where you listen to this program, you can find us live on Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont facebook page uh because we're live carry the audio and video portion of the show you can also find us on youtube and likewise if you're ever listening to the show uh, or watching the show on youtube or facebook live and something goes wrong and uh, the video signal is not working it works the other way as well you can go to BeyondTheBeltway.com which is our website. You can find both the audio and video portion of the program there. And again, if you ever need further information on how to find us uh, on the beyond, beyond the beltway uh, website, uh, you will also see a list of our affiliates. So, for instance, uh, uh, if you ever can't hear the uh, uh, the, uh, the the video portion of the program, and you want to hear the audio portion, you can go to let's say WMAY in Springfield, Illinois, uh, or KLBJ in Austin, Texas. We have a whole about thirty-five affiliates all over the country. So, there's no way, there's no reason for you to miss the program. Obviously, if you have a computer, you go to BeyondTheBeltway.com. So that's how you stay in touch with us. Uh, Joe Jorgensen is our guest. Uh, She is one of our guests, along with Coco Sudek and Judith Sherwin. And Coco, uh, or uh, Joe, rather, you are running for president of the United States. Did I hear you correctly that you are going to be on the ballot in all states? And if not, which states are you not likely to be on the ballot in?
11: We hope to be on the ballot in all 50 states, but of course, Democrats and Republicans do not want people to see all the alternatives, so we are given a Herculean task. What's difficult this time is they tell us you need to collect so many signatures, but then they say because of the coronavirus, you can't go out to festivals or there are no festivals allowed for Mm -hmm. us to go collect signatures. So I believe we are now on the ballot in about 43, 44 states, so we do hope to get to all 50
0: Now, whenever one discusses either the Green Party or the Libertarian Party or some other third party, they talk about its impact in November because most people are going to be voting for a Republican or a Democrat, and they wonder if by voting for you, they are inadvertently helping elect one of either the Republican or Democratic candidates that they want to avoid, that you become a spoiler. How do you respond to those that view a Libertarian vote as a spoiler vote?
11: Well, first of all, it's a myth that we take uh, votes from one party or the other. Uh, We draw equally from both parties. However, we get most of our votes from people who are either independent or who have never voted. And so we're hoping after, you know, so many people voted for Donald Trump because they wanted an outsider, somebody without 40 years, Mm -hmm. 50 years of political favors, somebody who was promising small government to reduce the deficit. We're hoping that all those people see that government is only getting bigger and maybe. they'll look for the real small government alternative.
0: And uh, do you favor mail-in voting?
11: I want government to be so small that it doesn't matter how the voting gets done. And that's one of the problems we have now. For instance, if you want your child to go to a school with prayer, you got to fight against your neighbor who might not want to have uh, prayer in school. So you have to go to the ballot box to get what you want. I want government so small that you get to keep your money and you get to choose a school. You get to choose the health care. You get to choose whatever services you want, your retirement, so that it's not a battle.
0: Judy, many conservatives and certainly the president thinks that uh, voting by mail is a is, is a conspiracy from the left to try to keep him from re- uh, uh, renomination or reelection. Do you
10: agree with that? Well Bruce, you know having grown up in Chicago, which you have too, Yeah uh, you know the many ways there are that one can steal an election and uh, voting um, by mail depends on the system. Uh, strikes me as as a dangerous idea for a number of reasons. Now, absentee voting is entirely different than voting by mail. Applying for an absentee ballot because you're sick, you're going to be out of the country, you're in the military, you're out of town, whatever the reason uh, is a totally legitimate thing, and people do it all the time. And, of course, the Democrats are constantly... Um, uh, yelling at the president saying well you did it in florida yeah well yeah he did he works in washington mm-hmm. and he couldn't come running back to florida for the primary
0: yeah. uh, so uh, coco i want to get coco's response uh coco uh, uh most uh, most sh- of the people promoting this appear to be democrats would you agree yeah. with that
7: yeah uh i don't think there's any difference between mail in ballot mail in voting and absentee voting yeah it, it, just voting at home there are there are effective ways of validating the vote. The incidence of voter fraud and voter impersonation is so small that statisticians say it's more likely an American is going to get struck by lightning. than they're going to vote. They're going to vote in, in impersonate another mm-hmm. voter or vote twice. The, the thing is the more people vote, the less likely it is that a Republican wins. That's just that's just the way it goes. Uh, I don't agree Arguments that. are textual. I, I think. Well, have, well, then why would to
10: be it, able to why, vote it, vote. why would it, why would it, why would it, well,
11: then every convenient you're making way my they point. can. I would really
10: like to finish my point about voter fraud. I got, uh, there I got is I got
7: no voter fraud. It doesn't
10: exist. Yeah, it uh, doesn't well, exist. Well, it doesn't study after study, it doesn't well, exist. Well, it doesn't well, let me
0: let me ask one let me ask one quick question to Coco, and then we are out of time. Coco, I need a 10-second answer. Would you acknowledge yeah. that a lot of Democrats talk about vote harvesting? Would you, if if the if the plan was to eliminate voter uh, vote, uh, vote harvesting, would you still support the idea of voting by mail? Uh,
7: you know, ballot harvesting is taking somebody's ballot and. Lying about it. Yeah. Of course there shouldn't be that. Okay, well, there well, should the, that be but there, but there, lying about there, somebody but, but, else's there valid?
0: but there is evidence you the of envelope, that. Seal the envelope, sign it, it's done. No, now, it, now it, you do more than just sign it. You should put it into a U.S. postal mailbox. And if you violate that, you're violating a federal crime. On that note, we are out of time. Uh, Joe Jorgensen, thank you very much, Libertarian candidate for president of the United States. Uh, Coco Sudek, our liberal tonight, our conservative has been Judy Sherwin. Thank you all for being with us. Happy Father's Day. Andrew Marshall, thank you for your assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Evanston, Illinois.